Hour two of the Blitz. Starting right now, 1340 AM, 105.7 FM. We're live in your Fan Run Radio app. That's free wherever you get your apps. We're also live in the Fan Run Radio web browser. And, of course, that video feed, it's over on the Fox Sports Knoxville Twitter. One more hour left with you here in the week. February 24th. Only two and a half more shows left in February. It's my brother's birthday today. Let's go. Shout out Cord. Happy birthday, Cord. Yeah, shout out Cord. Big 2-8. Wow. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, yeah, it's my brother's getting like up there, too. Pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to be, like, married. Like, <laughs> yeah. Soon. Yeah, that's soon, isn't it? June. Let's go. Got nice. the bachelor party all booked. Let's go. Out in uh, Scottsdale and in, uh, in May. That should be a good time. Great time. Not a good time. I want to see how many times I can just end up in Scottsdale this year. Because we're going out there this summer to play in a golf scramble. Yeah. You said that like you were unsure. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you didn't know, we're going there in the summer for probably like a week. I mean, we said that. Yeah. We were like, we got to do, do the next scramble in Arizona. Our buddy in Arizona just got engaged. If he gets married this year, that could be another trip to Arizona. Yeah. Bachelor party, Arizona. <laughs> going to have to start... Gonna have to start getting my sky miles or whatever. My my gotta get away points. I don't know what. Or they we call become them. pilots. Or we become pilots. That's a great idea. It's a really good idea. Hey, we're gonna have Logan Quentin on with us at eleven twenty to talk some baseballs. Let's go. Should have a new episode of the nine twenty podcast dropping soon as well. But uh, hey, let's get <laughs> <laughs> let's get our one started with an opening drive. First down. Kind of flew under the radar. Some interesting NFL news from yesterday as the Rams, after just one season, have released all-pro linebacker Bobby Wagner. Rams spent, uh, well, they were approximately, first of all, they were $13.7 million over the cap. Heading towards the new league year, they were going to have to make some cuts. Uh, but Wagner and the Rams mutually agreed to part ways on Thursday. The Rams will save $5 million in cap space. Um, they have the option of designating him as a post-June 1st release, which would save him $8 million. Um, kind of like one of the best linebackers in football. Yeah. <laughs> to just casually get released on a Thursday evening. I mean, he's pretty old, but I don't know if I would... Yeah. He's 32 years old, so it's a weird spot for him to be in. It's not like he can really position himself for a long-term deal. But if he wants to go sign a three-year deal worth a lot of money, I think someone will give it to him. I'll give it to him. Jeffrey Simmons wants him. Does he? He tweeted at him. I mean, we can't afford that. <laughs> but, like, I'm down. David Long and Bobby Wagner and Jeffrey Simmons and Bud Dupree and Harold Landry and Tier Tart. Yeah. Who needs offense? <laughs> that would actually uh, – yeah, you know what? I, I, I've changed my mind on all the Titans offseason plans. 
Let's just get Bobby Wagner. Get it started with Bobby Wagner. Get it. Let's get it started. We took the wrong Bobby from L.A., clearly. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> let's go back and reverse it. Um, had a career-high six sacks last year, two interceptions, 140 tackles. Pro Football Focus rated him as the top linebacker in the NFL, still at the age of 32. Wow. Ninth time in 11 seasons he was named an All-Pro. That's, that's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, that's Aaron Donald number. That is right a there. Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. I don't even think people have given Bobby Wagner the respect he deserves. No, honestly, in general, no, no, no. like NFL view. And we talk about the best defenders in the NFL. We bring up Aaron Donald, and like we bring up corners and safeties, and we bring up you know other top pass rushers. But I don't think we bring up Bobby Wagner as much as he deserves to be. Brought He's up. been so consistently good for so long that people just forget about him. I feel like it would take they take him for granted. I uh, I have seen some talk in the offseason, some talk here lately that in NFL circles, the linebacker, middle linebacker position is starting to trend uh, in the way in which the running back position has gone, where you have luxury guys, but they also feel like it's become a lot more replaceable position where you can get like different styles of guys and plug and play at that position and, and, and be successful still. Mm-hmm. So maybe that has something to do with it. Uh, I don't know what his value is going to be on the open market. I also just don't know what this means for the Rams. They're in They're in a weird spot. They don't have any they don't money. They don't have draft picks. They don't have money or draft picks. I mean, they're, they're kind of paying the bill, right? Yeah. You know, they, they had all their fun and they had their, their Wagyu steak and their Super Bowl and you know, now you got to pay on the backside. Seems like it a little bit here, but I mean, there was the, the rumors that Sean McVay was going to retire. Then he just didn't. But he still might. But, like, <laughs> they're still kind of entering a rebuild. But, like, also they still have Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford. But, like, also they don't have an offensive line or resources to replace him. But, like, also they cut Bobby Wagner. Let's go trade for Cooper like Cup. Also, I think they want to win now. Let's go free Cooper Cup. Let's, let's go. Let's bring him to Tennessee. Let's t- get Matthew Tennessee. Stafford. Yeah. I'm a big Stafford guy. Always have been. Three Even now, ago, I, I ranked my I ranked my quarterbacks this morning from 1 to 32. Yeah. I, I still have Stafford at like 12. I had him at 3 coming into the year. Yeah, you did. You did. Bobby Wagner, though, no longer a Ram. Second down, Sam. Second down. Uh, Old Miss has fired their men's basketball coach, Kermit Davis. Only about a week left in the season. Kind of an odd time to fire someone. Um, but when you're going 2-13 and 13 in SEC play and you're 10-18 and 18 overall, I guess that's a, a decent time to go and fire someone. Uh, Kermit Davis was... Almost at the end of his fifth year at Ole Miss, went to the NCAA tournament his first year, uh, became an eight seed, and they haven't done a whole lot since. They haven't been back to the tournament since. They have gone 22 and 47 in the SEC over the past four years. Doesn't, you know, I just, I kind of thought Kermit Davis was going to do better at Ole Miss to be honest with you. Um, he had a good a good little stint there at MTSU. I think everyone thought he was going to do better. Yeah. It was like, okay, 
he he showed that he can you know coach a good basketball team over there at MTSU. Let's put him in the SEC, give him a little bit a little bit better resources and everything, and it just didn't work out. Just didn't work out at all. Um, a couple candidates that have been rumored to replace him: FAU's Dusty May, North Texas's Grant McCasland, and don't look now, Chris Beard. Who knows? I've seen a lot of Chris Beard talk. Yeah, a lot of Chris Beard talk. His charges got dropped, and people are like, oh, he's, he's a good guy again. I think it would be pretty despicable if Ole Miss hired Chris Beard. Right? I don't think you can. I don't know if you can Well, either. actually, no. I, I, not that I don't think you can. I know you can. Yeah. <laughs> like, the charges being dropped is one thing, but... Oh, oh. His wife... Fiance, wife, whatever his his partner dropped the charges against the guy that makes millions of dollars to coach basketball. She probably wants to, you know, stay together with. Really? That's surprising. It doesn't just make him innocent. No. I, I mean, I guess in the eyes of the law, you're not guilty now either, but you're still not innocent. In the police report, there were. There was photographic evidence taken of bite marks, of bruises. That seems pretty telling to me that, that something transpired that night. Uh, from an optics perspective, you can't do it. From a moral perspective, you can't do it. And I, I think especially in today's climate, you can't really do it. But then again, Brandon Miller is still playing for Alabama, so I guess if you win, people just don't care what you do otherwise. Nope. Yeah, I think Pat Kelsey also comes to mind from Charleston. Ole Miss, just an impossible job. Such a tough job. They've been in the Sweet 16 once in their program history. Kermit Davis did have him ranked inside the top 25 at one point. Uh, it felt like he was rolling at one point. It got him the first round of the tournament, but they never went back. Um, and they've kind of fallen from mediocre to, to bad. Saw Jarkel Joyner left. And then is balling at NC State. Like, just not a lot of good for Ole Miss. And, again, I, 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 I don't know how you can be successful at Ole Miss. Like, I, I think that Kermit Davis still a great coach. Like, that's a guy that I would absolutely consider hiring. But, yeah, I think Dusty May will definitely be a name brought up. Again, Pat Kelsey. I think there will be talk, talk about um, – Chris Beard, like you were saying, but I just don't think that's going to come to fruition. Guy I do really like, if you're, you're thinking about you know, some of those mid-major guys, if you want to try to get, grab one of them or promote them, uh, Darian DeVry at Drake is a name that I'm a big fan of. Uh, same with Matt Langle up at Colgate. Those would be two names, especially Langle at Colgate, that I would definitely have an eye on. I'm a big fan of what the Colgate Raiders have built. Um, and then even like a guy like like Shanty Leggins at uh, like Portland, where the, uh, the I can't think of his name off the top of my head right now. Like the coach over at like Loyola Marymount, I think would be a decent hire. Um, you know, maybe you go and snag the guy from Furman put together a decent basketball program there. I don't know. Going to be a lot of 
uh, of mid-major names floating around. It feels like right now we're in a spot in college basketball. Usually there's like a couple hot young names in coaching always. You know, it's been Brad Underwood. It's Stephen F. Austin. It's been Wes Miller. It's been, you know, a lot of these other guys. It feels like there isn't like that one super hot name, like that one surefire, this guy is going to get a big-time job this offseason kind of candidate this mm-hmm. year. I mean, again, maybe it's Dusty May, maybe it's Kelsey at, at Charleston, but it feels a little different this year. Yeah. Definitely feels a little bit different. Um, sorry. Back to third down, back to the opening drive. Um, mentioned it yesterday, briefly, but speaking of the Broncos, if we didn't hit them enough in the first hour. They did hire Vance Joseph as their defensive coordinator. Joseph spent two seasons as the Broncos head coach. Um, Going to be joined on with his Sean Payton staff. Uh, spent four seasons at the Cardinals, D.C. It was 11-21 and 21 in his time as a coach, but they always had an elite defense. Seems like a pretty decent hire to me. Yeah. Knows the team, knows the area. And he can coach some ball. Fourth down? Fourth down. A lot of draft buzz around the NFL. Anthony Richardson uh, opened up at plus 10,000 for the first overall pick. His odds are now at plus 700. Um, And for that, I don't know. I don't understand everyone's obsession with Anthony Richardson in this draft. I get it. Got great. Got a great frame. Got great potential. Just I don't I don't see it. I don't see it. Uh, according to league sources, there is a variance league-wide. Some NFL teams have a first-round grade on him. Others have a fourth-round grade. One NFL executive called him Cam Newton and Justin Fields combined. I just... I don't know what to... I don't know how to say it, but I just don't... There's only so many times that we can just have a quarterback that is projected to be like Josh Allen. Well, that's the problem, right? I mean, Josh Allen is the problem because for years we've chased big athletic quarterbacks with big arms. And time and time and time and time and time and and time, time, again, it failed because you have to have a little bit more than that. Then Josh Allen came along. Got great coaching from Brian Dable and, and has developed into got a, uh, an, an exceptional quarterback. And a wide receiver one. And a great – he got, got a great wide receiver too. Um, Josh Allen became the exception. But not enough people view Josh Allen as the exception. Instead, they view it as the model. So now we're going to continue to chase Josh Allen. Last year, the Josh Allen was Malik Willis. Talked about him being a first-round quarterback at times, but – First five picks quarterback at times. He fell to the third round. This year's Josh Allen. Well, it's Anthony Richardson. It's Will Levis. Two guys that have proven that they can't actually produce at the quarterback position. They can just do cool things with their arms. They're throwers to me. They're not quarterbacks, just throwers. Anthony Richardson, I think, is uh, the, the odds reflecting are to me are, are reflecting uh Vegas just trying to cover their own tail. I, 
think his odds were probably a little too high. And Vegas got to the point where I think they probably were had a pretty big liability if he got picked number one. His money kept coming in on Anthony Richardson. I think it's been a, a play that people have talked about in the media and, like, gambling Twitter. So a bunch of people have bought in Anthony Richardson first round. So that number keeps coming down just because Vegas can't have that big of a liability. I don't think that's actually a reflection that Richardson is potentially becoming the first overall pick. But I don't see it with Richardson. I don't like any of these guys. I don't like Bryce Young. I don't like C.J. Stroud. I don't like Will Levis, and I don't like Anthony Richardson. If I had to pick any of them, I'd go with C.J. Stroud. But I don't really like any of them. But a good opening drive. Sam, you can send us over to break. Back here on the Blitz. And by the way, just uh, just saw a report from Jeff Goodman. Another name that's coming up here early uh, in the potential Kermit Davis replacement. Sweepstakes. Will Wade being mm. mentioned. Again, much like Beard, a lot of hoops he'd have to jump through. Uh, but interesting to see his name brought up. Very interesting. Uh, I guess... If you're old Miss, I don't know, maybe you, you do suffer through a couple of years of NCAA penalties with Will Wade, seeing as you kind of suck anyways. <laughs> and maybe you hope that on the other side he actually turns you into something respectable. I don't know. But going to switch gears here, and we're going to head over to the Big Orange Philly phone lines. Got a call from my good friend, host of the 920 podcast, uh, Logan Gwinton joining the show today to talk some Tennessee baseball. Aloha, gentlemen. How we doing? Aloha. Doing good. Ready for another weekend of college baseball. Week one was tremendous uh, and ready to go after it again this weekend. Yeah, hopefully the, uh, hopefully the weather cooperates as the Dayton Flyers come to town. A little weekend series. So uh, before we get into this weekend series, Logan, just want to kind of ask you, what were your uh, – yeah, I know this is going to be a really broad question, so you can kind of take it where you want. Broad takeaway from a one-and-two start out in Arizona for Tennessee baseball. You know, honestly – didn't really su- surprise me as far as the lineup kind of not, you know, being up to par, so to speak. I mean, we knew going into this thing, right, that it's, it was going to be a totally new look. We're not looking at 158 home runs this year. Um, and when it was announced that, well, we knew a little bit about Griffin Merritt, and, and then the announcement of Ahuna being out, um, you know, right as we're at the nick of things, you know, about to get the series started out there, um, that's when you're like, oh, okay, those are two veteran bats in the lineup that could really affect some things. And so at the end of the day, uh, the pitching did its job, and, you know, uh, 
Seth Halverson, good grief. He looked amazing. Uh, really impressed with him. And then, you know, Sunday, Drew Beam does Drew Beam things, uh, but not really much to chalk up, you know, uh, from Dolander or the Burns outing. They they performed well. It's just, you know, it's, it's going to take some time for this lineup to form. And so with, you know, learning about Merritt and Ahuna being out, you know, I came out of that series not – really disappointed in the club to be honest um and after having alabama a&m to kind of get some batting practice in a couple of days this week um that i think that will do wonders for a club trying to just get the bats going and and you know they're, they're gonna have about a month or so to figure out a lineup yeah and you know i i think too i don't think it can be understated how deflating of a feeling that had to be for the Tennessee lineup to find out just before the game that now Yahuna is not able to play, you know, to find out that a guy that you've gone through all of the off season with that you were really excited to be in your lineup, you know, can't play all of a sudden that's got to take the wind out of your sails a little bit. Um, a lot of position battles, I, I think still kind of carrying over into the season specifically still trying to figure out what the outfield's going to look like and, and what that catching rotation is going to look like. Uh, so I ask you, Logan, Cal Stark shown off the bat so far, uh, you know, one of your one of your transfer catchers, but uh Charlie Taylor's probably got a lot more defensive upside at this point. He's he's shown flashes of the glove and even this week against the Alabama A&M, one of the the highlights of the early portion of the season so far, Charlie Taylor hitting two home runs. So at this point, how do you kind of see Tennessee's, you know, catching situation shaking out as as we continue to learn more about it? Man, I really think it is going to be a fun watch. Uh, I know you and I have talked about it, and, you know, early on, it's still really early, but it it really looks like that this is going to be a competitive group, which is the best thing that could happen for Tennessee. Um, like you said, Charlie, the defensive upside, Cal Stark, we, we had the sense that he was the slugger, right? And that that's looking to be the case. So it's going to be interesting to see how those guys perform going forward, you know, like I said, about a month before conference play starts. Um, and Charlie, man, good grief. You know what? That, he should have had three home runs uh, the other night. The, the wind was so bad and blowing in, um, he hit three balls to the exact same spot. All, all Those two home runs, and then the first one he hit, the wind was, like, terrible at the beginning of the game and knocked it down. But when you're locked, I you know people want to talk about Alabama A and M and the pitching not being up to speed. But I don't care if it's batting practice or what. Uh, when a guy is putting a ball in the same exact location, you know, time after time he's locked in. And and what's interesting, the players even knew. Um, so when he stepped up to the plate after that flyout, and it was about to be his first home run that game, you could tell. The whole, I had view of the dugout, and the whole dugout got up on their feet at the edge of the rail. They knew he was locked in, and then we found out post game, <laughs> Tennessee couldn't even get their bats in. Their their newly issued bats for this year, they couldn't even get in. Uh, you know, till almost a week into the season, and, and so Charlie got his a thirty three and a half Atlas. And that proved to be the weapon right there. And um, we'll see if it carries through uh, this weekend. So you're telling me that Tennessee did not have their the bats for the season 
in in time for the trip out to Arizona? Yes, sir. That is correct. So you're wow. telling me we found exactly what we can blame <laughs> the one and two start on. Thank you, Logan. Right. Now they'll, now they'll be checking the bats to get to Dayton this weekend, right? Got to be. Got to be checking those bats against Dayton. Uh, again, we're talking with Logan Quinton here, friend of the show, friend of the station, host of the 920 podcast. Talked about the, the, you know, the catching situation. The outfield, I think, really still a pretty big question mark. Griffin Merritt was suspended the first two games. You know, he was able to come back on Sunday. Uh, we've seen a lot of a lot of faces rotate in and out of that outfield so far this season. Do you think we're any closer to, to settling on, you know, what your your primary three outfielders could look like when you get to SEC play? Not really. I mean, really, it's about uh, finding that probably that third wheel. Really, you you just need you know, merit is going to be a staple. Um, you could put Dickey out there if you don't the A team. So really, if it comes down to it, you you could just say, hey, we're we're down to one option maybe. Um, but man, these freshmen, uh, Dylan Drayling, Reese Chapman, I'm really excited about them. Both of them look like they're swinging the bat re- uh, well and look ready for the competition. Uh, it's real early on, uh, but still got to monitor those guys. And I'll tell you what, man, <laughs> Kyle Booker, I, you know, going over the stats, I, he's got an on-base of 529 right now. And <laughs> I, I couldn't believe that. But um, like I said, still really early on, but, I think it's a healthy competition now that Merritt's back. He's, he got his first couple of hits as a vol, got that out of the way. Um, you know, now that he's solidified his role, um, you know, the, it, it's going to be a healthy competition between some freshmen and, and then some guys that have been in the program, like a Booker, like a Christian Scott. Um, Christian Scott is the, the better glove out there, but he's not been strong at the plate, um, you know, th- through week one. So um, I think it's going to be a healthy competition, and I really think that come conference play that they'll figure it out. They'll figure something at least a little bit steady, and they'll have like a plan B lineup or outfield to go with as well, and I think it'll be a viable option. Maybe uh, maybe we're looking at a, a Trey Liscomb light situation with Booker. Guy that's waiting. I don't start. know. I, I... I don't know, but uh, I said, I just, hey, I said I Trey Liscomb light. I, I'm not, I'm not taking it all the way. <laughs> hey, I was, I was shocked. I, I know it's just one week through the season, eleven at bats, but that's um, enough to, to tell you that he walked no eleven at bats. Yeah, to see that he walked five times, um, I thought that was huge for him. Uh, but we'll see, we'll see how that progression uh, goes. Um, I kind of had a. A different question for you that Roberto called in earlier this week and kind of brought up, and, and me and Sam were talking about it earlier this week as well. I'll, I'll, I'll set you this right, set it up for you right now. Over under one and a half games this year where Tennessee does not have the advantage when it comes to starting pitchers, to the starting pitcher. Over under one and a half games where Tennessee will not have the better starting pitcher. 
Man, I'd have to go under, Charlie. I really would. I mean, this this pitching staff is just so nasty, so deep. Um, and if they're healthy, I mean, I really can't see a scenario. I, I, you know, the only one I can come up with is perhaps, you know, God forbid, you know, Chase Dolander um, can't pitch against Paul Skeens or something, you know, um, just for some variance there. But when you're talking about Drew Bean as your Sunday guy, I mean, <laughs> there, there's no other Sunday guy that can get compared to, to Drew Beam, right? Um, and I think you could say the same with Chase Burns in probably 99% of cases. Uh, he's projected top five pick next year. Um, and then Dolander is the best pitcher in, in the nation. And then <laughs> you want to go on down the line, you know, the sixth, seventh, eighth option are better than most people's Saturday's options. So, it's just it's an embarrassment of riches. Speaking of the uh, the embarrassment of riches, Logan, Wyatt Evans is a guy that you know you kind of pointed out to me a couple of weeks ago, talking with with some of the uh, the people in the MLB draft world, the MLB draft side of things, and you know he's a guy that is viewed pretty favorably. Uh, reportedly in, in the 2024 draft circles, but we haven't gotten to see him pitch yet this year. I know uh, Tony Vitello addressed that earlier this week. Can you kind of give us you know some more insight on on his status? Yeah, so that that was a question mark, right? Uh, nothing had really been said about him, uh, and we hadn't seen him. I was kind of expecting, okay, Tuesday, Wednesday, midweek, they couldn't get him in over the weekend, so maybe they want to get him a start, maybe come in behind the guy, uh, and didn't seem so knew something was up, right? So uh, Tony said uh, he used the word sore with, with Wyatt uh, and also Camden Sewell. Uh, he he kind of put those guys in the same category and said that, you know, it, they could totally face batters right now if they wanted them to, but they're playing the long game. For whatever reason, uh, those two are kind of on a program, as Tony said, um, and kind of easing them in um, for whatever reason, whatever their load was in the ramping up process, you know, maybe they experienced some soreness, uh, this or that, you know, very, very, very minor things. And he said, you know, look, I, I'm sure fans and media alike want to watch these guys and see what they've got. But he said, we're in it to win the last weekend of the season. And, you know, he alluded to the fact that, you know, they tried their best and they put kind of, you know, they it wasn't like they were taking off anything last weekend, but just with the arms that they do have and the weapons they have on hand at any given time, like, you can afford to kind of say, hey, you know what, Camden, you know what, Wyatt, like, we're going to ease you guys in. And I, I expect those guys, if not this weekend, by next week, um, Wyatt is one of my favorite guys I've got circled. Like you mentioned, the 2024 draft, scouts are really high on the guy. He's a big, towering lefty with a 12-6 to 6 curve, and that's like scouts just fall in love with that stuff. And it's going to be exciting to see what kind of run he gets this year. He had a great spring with Tennessee last year, backed it up with a really good season in the Cape, um, and – to see what he's going to do once he gets started this year. Again, talking with Logan Quinton here. Uh, Logan, 
going to wrap things up. Dayton coming to town this weekend on a scale of Mississippi Valley State to the Campbell Camels. How good has this been major program? How, how, uh, I guess, what degree of danger are you in of, of dropping a game this weekend? Well, what's interesting is a couple of things. Uh, for one, all the projected starters for Dayton are lefties. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see in terms of what they do with the lineup uh, because there's so many lefty at-bats in this Tennessee lineup. Um, there's some crafty lefties, man. Um, it's, you know, but on the Tennessee side of things, you got the best pitching staff in the country. Um, number two, the weather. Uh, you know, Saturday, tomorrow could be really, really bad. You know, it, I don't know how things are going to shake out with that, but it, it smells like an interesting series because of the weather, and you got some crafty lefties up at the mound. They're, you know, they're an okay program. They played a tough Western Kentucky team last week, uh, and faced so they faced really good competition in in terms of their class. Um, if it was like neutral weather and for the whole weekend wouldn't be as worried but with tomorrow wetness in the mix you know just extremely wet looking at the forecast um who knows how that's going to play out they play could be shut down for a little bit you know Dolander could you know be two three innings in and have to sit for the day so aside from that Tennessee should totally be able to get the sweep but uh very interesting to see what the lineups are each day going up against all these lefties. All right, Logan. Well, uh, good to have you on. And uh, you want to give Logan a follow. He's on Twitter at LDQ Sports. Hey, y'all are doing best bets next, right? Well, yeah, we'll be doing best bets to wrap up the show. Hey, plug in mine, Washington State College Baseball at 1 p.m., plus 125 against UC Irvine. Let's go. That sounds like something I have to play. No questions asked. <laughs> Washington State from five on the money line against UC Irvine. You heard it from Logan Quinton, the man himself. And uh, Logan, we'll have a new episode of the 920 podcast out uh, soon as well. We'll be looking forward to that. But thanks for coming on, and uh, I'll be talking to you a little bit later. Sam, send us a break. Another big weekend of College Hoops coming up. Tennessee, South Carolina at home this weekend. South Carolina coming off of a two-point overtime loss to Alabama. An upset bid. They've been playing. I'm not going to go as far as to say good, but I will say improved basketball lately. They, again, lost to Alabama by two in overtime. Before that, they beat LSU. Uh, Before that, only lost by 11. And before that, beat Ole Miss. So, 10 and 18. Again, it's G.G. Jackson averaging 15 and a half. And uh, Michi Johnson sometimes has days where he knocks down a bunch of shots, but really not uh, an overly talented team. What do you need to see this weekend from Tennessee to restore some of your confidence in them? Or is there anything that Tennessee can do this weekend to restore any of your confidence in them? Um, It would be... 
mopping the floor with South Carolina this weekend, I think. I think this is one of those games where you just really need a bounce-back game. You need your team to click. Um, and I think a lot of that, you know, I, I want to say I want to get some players back, but I don't think that's going to be happening for this game. So I think, you know, I, what I noticed a lot in that A&M game, it, it just felt like the offense was just, we were just stagnant. We were just passing it around the perimeter, and, and often too many times we had to just give the ball to Sakai with like 10 to 13 seconds on the shot clock and him just have to make something happen. And, you know, I just want to I want to see just some our team just play a little bit better game altogether, you know, not just have have to rely on two or three guys. And, you know, if we don't get a if we don't get a good shot from them in a 10 to 15 second span, then, I'll you know, I've just got to go on the other end and play good defense. You know, I want to have I want to see the ball get passed around. I want to see I want to see everyone touch the ball in a couple of possessions. I would just I just want to see just more domination on offense against a team that you know that you can that you can really play well against. You know, this isn't really you've had yeah, in your last three games you've had some really tough games. You've had Alabama, Kentucky, and A and M. Like you you get a little bit of a break here and I feel like you are all the way backed against the wall. It's just one of those games that you can you can really assert your dominance and hopefully start something positive in these last couple games of the regular season leading into the SEC tournament. But I don't know. It's a, I just want to see it thumping. I want to see this team really start to move the ball around offensively a little bit better again, too. You know, I think this team is best when they reverse court on a possession at least twice. When the ball reverses the floor twice, uh, I, I think this team gets significantly better within their possessions. I, I want to see them just really uh, put more of an emphasis into their spacing, into their passing, mm-hmm. into their cutting again, and, and just try to find more of a rhythm, more of a flow to this offense, develop some confidence. You know, coming out and shooting 40% from three or and having a great night from beyond the arc, that would be cool, sure, but, you know, that doesn't really – do a whole lot to inspire confidence it just feels like okay we're watching the same hot and cold team it's a good shooting today they knocked down the night yeah Yeah. today they knocked down the threes but you know if we can get some some more drives to the basket if we can get some more cuts just some some more aggression um that would be i i guess a step in the right direction i think on the other hand it's pretty hard to run an offense that has any kind of flow right now when you have jemima shack and two bigs on the floor yeah, your two biggest cutters and slashers are out of the game, basically. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just <laughs> you have two and a half guys that you feel comfortable handling the basketball, and one of them is is five eight. Mm-hmm. It's tough. <laughs> yeah, that that's not it's just tough. I, you know, there's not a lot of coaches that can find a ton of offense there. You have to get creative. So I want to see Tennessee get creative. I'd love to see Julian Phillips or Josiah come back. I I don't feel optimistic about that at this point. This you know at this point at least against. South, South Carolina, Carolina on yeah. Saturday. Maybe it's a good opportunity to actually kind of work them back some. I don't know. But, again, it, yeah, it, it's hard, though, when there's two bigs in Jemai Meshack because Jemai Meshack is – I mean, I guess he showed he's shown some offensive instincts this year, but unpolished is probably the polite way to describe his offensive game. And then 
you know, you're just not really going to give Olivier the ball on the perimeter and, and tell him to put it on the floor and go to work. He might knock down that jump shot if they're if they're playing drop coverage. And then obviously, you know, it, it, whether it's Urosh or Jonas Adu or you know Tobe Awaka, those guys are pretty limited in their offensive game. Jonas Adu, you know, he can get to the rim from that dunk spot, and, and you know he can clean it up around the rim. I think Urosh has a little bit of a back to the basket game. Same with Tobe. I mean, Jonas can knock down that elbow jumper if you leave it, but you know you're trying to play offense with, again, two and a half offensive players, and and one of them very short. Um, but a, a good opportunity to get back right. Don't know how many times we found ourselves saying that in the last couple of weeks, but maybe yeah. this is the one. Maybe this is your get back right game. I don't know. We'll see. Kind of catch break though. Best bet to wrap up the show and wrap up the week on the other side. A lot of good basketball this weekend. A couple of ranked matchups. A couple of big, big major battles. We're going to have multiple games this weekend. For first place in some pretty decent mid-major conferences, that's definitely going to be a blast. But uh, need to wrap up the show here with a little best bet. Flip it over to you, Mr. Beard. Yeah, I'm struggling to find a best bet that I'm that I'm enjoying here today. Uh, I think I'm going to go in tribute to Andy. I'm going to go to an NBA over here. Um, let's see. You know what? Let's let's get real late. Let's get real late. Kings Clippers over two thirty seven and a half. Big over, and we're gonna smash it. You said Clippers and who? Kings over two thirty seven and a half. That is a big over. Yeah, it is. Mm. Mm, feeling it, aren't you? Um, yeah, not really, but all right. Kings and Clippers. Some good offenses. Well, we'll see what she got then. Uh, my best bet, it is Mac Fridays. Mm, I kind of forgot about that. Sienna is dog tonight. Could have been you, Sam. Give me Sienna. Give me Sienna Moneyline. Could have been your bet. You got Sienna Moneyline? Yeah, I'll take Sienna Moneyline. Uh, my best bet is going to go to the Atlantic Sun. Kennesaw State has not gotten a lot of buzz this year. I mean, I get it, you know, they're Kennesaw State, they're in the Atlantic Sun. But what they've done this year has been really pretty exceptional. They're 14-3 and three in the Atlantic Sun. You know, they were a team that just won, uh, that won just like six games two years ago. You know, they've been a terrible bottom feeder in the Atlantic Sun this year. They're 22-8 and eight, uh, in a div- conference that Liberty was supposed to run away with. They beat Liberty back on the 16th of this month. And they're sitting in a tie for first place. Mm final game of the weekend or of the the season you know it comes this weekend uh the atlantic sun wraps up this weekend they start conference play conference tournament play on monday so today is the final day of the atlantic sun season first place on the line kennesaw state hits the road to take on central arkansas it's a bad central arkansas team nine and a half point favorites that's scary when you're a road team but i still like the owls to get it done tonight 
waited on a girl last night to transfer from Kennesaw State. So this must be a sign. You gotta trust the signs. The signs. She was she was good looking too. So it's gotta be a sign. Give me Kennesaw State, give me the Owls, minus nine and a half. Uh score prediction for Tennessee, South Carolina. Saturday at uh, home, six o'clock, SEC Network. Sixty-eight, sixty-eight to fifty-four. Give me eighty-one sixty-four. Uh, give me Zakai with eighteen. Santi with fourteen. Balance night for the balls. Balance night for the boys. And uh, hey, that'll do it for this week on the Blitz. We'll hopefully see you on Monday. Don't know why we wouldn't, but hopefully see you on Monday. Hope all of y'all have a fantastic weekend. Uh, enjoy some balls baseball. Enjoy some college basketball. This is the last show that we'll have without the conference tournaments. I am aroused, Mr. Beard. But uh, for Sam Beard, I'm Charlie Collier. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. John Reed, Talk Sports, up next.